For our scripture reading, we turn to Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2. The text consists of verses 8 through 13. Uh, I will not reread that section. We'll read the chapter, Joshua chapter 2. And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go, go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out, whither the men went I would not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house, and hid them with the stalks of flax, which he had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And then verses 8 through 13 are the text. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when ye came out of Egypt. And what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he, is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token, and that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that, I, that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our life for yours. 
If ye utter not this our business, and it shall be, when the Lord hath given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. And she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may ye go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thine oath, which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, According unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. And she bound the scarlet line in the window. And they went and came unto the mountain, and abode there three days, until the pursuers were returned. And the pursuers sought them throughout all the way, but found them not. So the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. So far we read from the from the Holy Scriptures tonight. Dearly beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, are you familiar with the fact that Rahab is spoken of in Hebrews 11? And our young people, our younger children, actually memorize Hebrews 11. And many of us have memorized Hebrews 11. And we know there's a reference there to the faith of Rahab. That's not the only place where we read of the faith of Rahab. It's mentioned in Hebrews 11, and it's also mentioned in James chapter 2. In Hebrews 11, we read of Rahab's faith. And then when uh, in James 2, reading specifically what we have in James 2, in verse 25, Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot 
justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. And although it speaks there of her being justified by her works, we take note here about the fact that her faith manifested itself in her works. That one could see from her works that she had genuine faith. She received the messengers and she sent them out another way. The fact that Rahab lied, you know, we often talk about the fact that we know that what Rahab said was not true. Some would take quite a bit of time to point out the fact that, well, there's been those that have quoted this history and have argued that this is proof that there are times when you can lie. And that this is a, you know, a proper deception. That when it's a, when you have a right motive, then instead of calling it a lie, you might call it a proper deception. And yet such a distinction is not a biblical distinction. Not when you're talking about the speaking of words that are false, which she clearly did. And there's no way that we can defend that action on her part. You could talk about what else she could have done as to whether or not maybe she could have said nothing or uh, and even and if they decided that they were going to punish her for saying nothing, well then they punished her for saying nothing. But to lie was not something that she could have done. It's contrary to the nature of God. For us to say that there are times when we can lie is for us to say that really sometimes Christ lies. Because if we do it and it's a good work, it must be something we do by faith, by faith in Christ, as a member of the body of Christ, and that would be saying that, well, sometimes Christ speaks what's false, which would mean that sometimes God speaks what's false. And that's not true. So it's not the case that we are to lie, and the fact that we see Rahab, and there's other places in Scripture, we're familiar with that, there's other places where you read of a child of God who says something that's not true. We think of Jacob pretending that he's Esau. And the fact that there are times when children of God have done that is not proof that sometimes it's okay. But the scriptures place an emphasis on her faith and her works. Chapter 11, verse 31 of Hebrews says, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. By faith. The harlot Rahab, that here she had been a harlot. And the scriptures refer to her that way. That that's what her life had been. 
But by the grace of God, she turned from her sin to God. She believed. She perished not with the ones that didn't believe. She did believe. And it was evident in the fact that she received the spies with peace. She wanted to be with the people of God. And we know from Scripture that she was a mother of our Lord in the sense of in the line of, if you take the look at the geology of, genealogy of, of Jesus, that it goes back, and as you go back, you find also Rahab. Rahab the harlot. And it was God's plan that this whole event would take place. God had one of his people in, Ray, in Jericho. And how many others, you know, of those that were with Rahab? We certainly know that Rahab herself was a child of God, because the scriptures tell us so. And God had his people, at least one, there in Jericho, and in the providence of God, he brought her out. He worked in her faith, and he brought her out, and also those that were with her. So we look at this passage from the viewpoint of her faith. Under the theme, the faith of Rahab, we consider, first of all, her receiving the spies. That's what is specifically mentioned in Hebrews 11, verse 31, that she received the spies. Secondly, we take note of her confessing her faith. And it's quite striking what this woman confessed. And so we look at that in the second place. And then in the third place, we look at the fact that she requests deliverance. The faith of Rahab, receiving the spies, confessing her faith, and requesting deliverance. First, that she received the spies. There were two spies sent out. You know, it's somewhat you know, similar and earlier when Moses had sent out spies to look out to look at the land, although there was difference. Here there was a sending out of two spies. And they went out uh, they went out to, to Jericho. Now Jericho was the first strongly fortified city. So this was not spies looking out over all the land, but spies that went to the first fortified city. And it was some distance from the Jordan. So it wasn't the case that as soon as they crossed the Jordan River and they were standing on the side, there would be Jericho. So they would see it right there. It was some distance that they were going to have to travel to get there. But one of the first fortified cities they were going to come to was going to be Jericho. And these spies go out and they enter into Jericho. They go to Jericho. And in the providence of God, they enter the house of a child of God. 
Now, certainly that was not some strike of luck. That of all the people in Jericho, that there's actually a regenerated child of God there, and that's the one where they, they enter into her house. But that was all in the providence of God. It doesn't actually tell us the details of how that all happened, of how they saw her, and, and so on, and how it came about that they went into her house, but in the providence of God, they did. And the king of Jericho hears about it. We read of that in the beginning of Joshua, so that it was not the case that this remained secret. They were sent out to view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into the harlot's house. It's kind of interesting how sometimes in these stories it goes so quickly. So they go out and quickly they're in the harlot's house and very little details about it, just the fact that she's named Rahab and they lodged there. And then it was told the king of Jericho. And it quickly starts moving through the story. But it's telling us the important details that we need to know. So the king of Jericho hears about it. And one would think from the history that it was the case that they knew, the people knew about the destruction of the Amorites on the other side of the Jordan. And the people knew that the Israel was coming into the land. And the, uh, the Rahab confesses that, the, that the people knew that. So one would expect that there would have been people on the, on the lookout to see whether or not they were coming across. But however it was, it was the case that they were, it was told that they had come. So somebody had found out that they had come. And they knew where they were, too. Not only did they know that they had come, but they said, Behold, there come men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that were come to thee, which are entered into thine house. So quickly she finds out it's known. People know that she has received them into her house. And it says that they be come to search out the country. And now the women had taken the, took the men and, and hid them on the, on the roof. And they had flax laid out. And some have said that that indicates if the flax was laid out like that, that that would indicate something about the time frame somewhere in the, somewhere in the springtime. Now whether, to what degree that can be determined with certainty from that, I don't know. But that has been said as far as the time that the flax would be, would be laid out. And so there they were hidden. And now if you were one of those spies, and here comes these, the, the king of Jericho sends and says, bring these men, bring forth the men. What do you think you would have been thinking? What would you have been thinking up there hiding and men are coming and they're looking and they're going to Rahab 
and they're asking Rahab, a woman that you've just met, they're asking Rahab to bring you forth. And yet it was the plan of God that they weren't going to die. We're not really specifically told what they were thinking. But we do have an example here of how God's people, I mean, they were sent out. Joshua sends them out, and quickly they find themselves in a, in a troubled situation. And yet the Lord is with them. And the Lord guides them. And Rahab, you know, speaks to them a lie, and we already spoke about that. But it's important to see that, you know, from the viewpoint of Rahab, what if she would have been caught? What if somebody would have found out that they were up there, and then they would have run to Rahab? You lied to us. And what she could have expected the punishment would be. And yet, she fears God. In her mind, is God. And she fears God, not men. Instead of talking, you know, talking about what men might do to her, she talks about the power and the judgment of the Almighty God, the covenant God. She hides them and then she sends them out another way and even gives them instructions which they do follow about where to go and where to, how to, long to stay there and they do do what she tells them. Now one principle that's seen in this part of the history is that she was separating herself from Jericho. Those were her people. She was separating herself from Jericho, and she expressed a desire to be with the people of God. Some might say, you know, shouldn't she have obeyed the king? I mean, this is the king. You know, the king is sending. Not only should she not lie, but shouldn't she also obey the king? Well, she knew that God's judgment was coming on Jericho. And she also knew that the judgment was coming upon the Canaanites. She knew that. She had heard. And she desires to be with the people of God, and she separates from Jericho. You can see how that applies to us. God's wrath is upon this wicked world. God's judgment, it's not only the case that God's judgment is going to come on the ungodly, but God's judgment is coming on them already now. In fact, Rahab's going to speak about that. In fact, very striking language brings this out, that she sees that the judgment of God is coming on them already now. God tells us the wrath of God abides. 
on the ungodly. And our calling is to come out from among them and be separate and not to walk with them. And today, there's so many ways that people can secretly be watching the world, those of the world, communicating with those of the world. There's many ways to do it. Not only the watching, you could perhaps, perhaps somebody starts by watching things that they're doing that one knows they shouldn't watch and they show they know that in that if someone was to come into the room, they'd switch. Why? Is it that somebody's watching something that they shouldn't watch? Is that why? And when one is doing that, one can also start communicating with them And that is a great danger. And again, one could be communicating with a person and not wanting others to know. And perhaps someone else would see them communicating. Who are you talking to? And not wanting to say who it is. To give just kind of a general answer. And then think you can you can keep it hidden, you know, with the device today, you got a password on your device. So it can all be hidden. You turn it off. Nobody can get in it. It's all secret in your device. Yet how grievous is that? To be doing something that one knows they shouldn't be doing, as they show from hiding it. God warns us the judgment of God is upon this ungodly world and we are to come out. God says, come out from among them and be ye separate. We are God's holy people. And that idea of holy has the idea that we are separate from those of this world. Christ died for us and cleanses us And we are to dwell with him as his holy people apart from this world. Christ is separate from sinners. He's holy. And we are to come out from the wicked world and we're to turn away from our sin to God. And the fact that Rahab believed indicates that she had turned from her sin of being a harlot. The Bible refers to her that way. And she would go down in record in the word of God as one that's a harlot. To this day, we all know her as Rahab the harlot. So we not only know her name, but we know what she did. 
And that's what she had done. But turning away from sin and turning away from the impenitent sinners go together. That we depart from sin, that we depart from those that are impenitently walking in sin. And Rahab showed she was turning away. She wanted to be with the the people of God. She receives the spies. She receives men who are people of God. They're spies in this case, but they're men of God. And in the providence of God, they come. And she receives them. And the fact that this Rahab is one of those who believes, who receives the spies, brings out and points out to us on the one hand that already in the old dispensation we see that God was going to gather a people from the nations. It wasn't just going to be those in the bloodline of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But that there would be a remnant from the other nations. That is seen in the Old Testament too. It's not exclusive to the new, although we read of it more so in the new. But also we see the grace of God that somebody who was a harlot would turn from that sin. And that in our mission work, to recognize that it can be the case, or in our own witnessing in our own area, too, it could be the case that we witness to somebody who's actually a harlot or had been walking in grievous sins, who hears the word of God, and who turns from her sin and dwells among the people of God that a harlot she was but not anymore she's washed she's cleansed she's righteous in Jesus Christ Secondly, we look at it from the viewpoint of what she confessed, which is striking. And when the spies get back, they make a specific reference to what Rahab said. She confesses that Israel's God is God. We read that in verse 11, she says, The Lord your God, behold, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. She confesses that the Israelites' God is the one who is is God in heaven and in earth. He's over all. He is the true God. And he controls the hearts of men. And that he strikes, and they are stricken with fear. 
The terror of God has come upon them. And that, that idea, that idea is a theme. Sometimes when you're studying a passage, you find an idea that as you're studying, you see, well, that's connected to this, and, con and that's connected to this, and to this, and the same idea appears in a number of places, and you start to follow it. And you see that this idea appears frequently, that the terror of God fell upon them. We read of that same idea earlier with regard to Jacob. When God told him, arise and go to Bethel. And so Jacob goes to Bethel. And it says, they journeyed and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them. And they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. Jacob is told to go to Bethel and he and his family go to Bethel and the others up and people don't pursue after them. Because the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them. God specifically said, and God's people spoke of this too, when the exodus took place, there was a reference to the fact that others are going to hear about this. I mean, how can you, you just imagine? The crossing of the Red Sea and the destruction of the Egyptians, what took place, word of that went out. In Exodus 15, we read, The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants of Palestina, the people in that area, the people in the land of Canaan. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. That was said in connection with what happened at the Exodus. And you see how that's related to what Rahab says here. Rahab says, that is indeed the case. We have heard about the crossing of the Red Sea, and people are terrified. And that's what was said years ago, some 40 years ago, when they crossed the Red Sea. God had promised in Exodus 23, I will send my fear before thee. That's what God said. I will send my fear before thee and will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come. And I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. So God had promised this. That was Exodus 23, verse 27. And then this idea comes up again with regard to the defeat of the Amorites. And that's the other event that Rahab says that the people have heard about. They not only heard about what happened 40 years ago, but there were these nations just on the other side of the Jordan, the Amorites, who were utterly destroyed. And 
God had said about that. And we read about this in Deuteronomy 2, verse 25. This day will I begin to put the dread of thee and the fear of thee upon the nations that are under the whole heaven who shall hear report of thee and shall tremble and be in anguish because of thee. That was Deuteronomy 2, verse 25, and that was said in connection with them coming now against the Amorites and what was going to happen. That there was, God was going to give these Amorites into the hand of Israel. They were going to totally destroy them, and the people in Canaan were going to hear it. And so God had told them that, and then that's what happened. And just one more, in Deuteronomy 11, there shall no man be able to stand before you. For the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that ye shall tread upon, as he hath said unto you. Deuteronomy 11, verse 25. So what we read here is what God had said. It's a fulfillment of his promise, of what he had told them that he would do. The people were terrified. And the language that's used is that their hearts, their hearts melted. As soon as we heard these things, Rahab says, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man. Why? Because your God is God. That's the answer she gives. Nobody has any courage because your God is God. The Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. And then when the spies return, they don't, what's specifically mentioned is not, we found this weak spot in the wall. That we looked around, we cased out the wall, and we found that there's this one place here that's a weaker spot in the wall. They don't come back and give, we don't read of that as far as what they said to Joshua. Of course, we know, of course, the walls are going to fall down. But the point is that here, the point I'm making here is that that's not, they didn't make any reference to anything of that sort that we read of. They said, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. And it could have been added, just as God said they would. Just as our God told us that they would. She confessed God's sovereign power and the judgment that he executes on the wicked. She also confessed the truth concerning the covenant. It's interesting the way it reads here. It refers to Jehovah, your God, 
He is God in heaven above. And she makes a reference to God's covenant that she says, We know that the Lord Jehovah hath given you the land. They haven't started fighting them yet. The battle hasn't even started. And she's confident they're going to have the land. Why? Because God promised it. God promised it to them. They're going to receive it. She's confident of that. She She doesn't have any doubt about that. And she says, I know. I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. She speaks of God's covenant promise. How she would have heard about that is interesting. Nearby is Moab and Ammon and Edom. Moab and Ammon come from Lot, Abraham's nephew. Edom, of course, are the children of Esau. But as to how specifically she heard about that, don't know, but she says she has heard. She's not only heard what God did to the Egyptians and also to the Amorites, but she heard about the promise concerning the land. God had given them, Jehovah God had given them the land. That brings out that there was, you know, as the word, God had said the word concerning what he had done and God's works would go forth and people would hear about it. People also heard about God's promise. And that word did go forth. Rahab heard this and knew this. She believed, and it was God that worked in her faith. It was Christ who would purchase faith for Rahab. Even though the death of Christ was still future, he in the future would purchase for Rahab the faith that she had. God-given faith which explains why she believed when others don't. There were others that heard the news too, and yet they don't believe. There are others that had heard what had happened at the Red Sea and who had heard what had happened to the Amorites but they don't turn unto God confessing their sin, asking for forgiveness, asking God for forgiveness and expressing a desire to be with the people of God. Instead, they 
No, they're, they're making sure the gate's locked. Are they going to be safe? Behind a locked gate? When the one that is, whose judgment is coming upon you is the judgment of God? The thought that one would be, that there was anywhere one could go, any place one could hide from the judgment of God. And yet foolish me, many know that the judgment is coming and they don't repent. As many of the people, the most of the people of Jericho did not, they didn't repent. They didn't repent even when Israel got to the point that they were marching around the wall. Even after they heard about the crossing of the Jordan, and even as there was the marching around the wall, they didn't repent. Why did Rahab? And you know the answer. Well, the only, when anybody repents and believes, it's, they were one of God's people unconditionally chosen. Christ died for them and God worked that faith in them. It's interesting that there were some people that saw there were those that were there when the, at the Red Sea, going through the Red Sea. There were those that actually saw all that. There were Israelites that saw that and yet did not believe. She did not see it. But when she heard what happened, she believed it did. And when she heard about God giving them the land... She believed that. She made a confession of her faith in God. And certainly that would have been an encouragement. Rahab's confession of faith must have been an encouragement to these two spies who not only that this woman who had been a harlot hides them, and then uh, doesn't, and she receives the spies and sends them out another way, even when one might have thought that if she got caught that she was going to die, that even though they not only see that she does that, but they hear what she says about the judgment, about what God is doing, just as God had promised and also, I know that God has given you the land. Certainly, that must have been an encouragement. And certainly, it is the case that for us to hear others make confessions of faith is an encouragement to us. Encouragement when we hear our young people make confession of faith, which we recently have. We're encouraged when we hear God's people confess what they believe. 
and when they confess that I know with certainty that this is true. And with regard to the land, we can say we know with certainty that we will inherit the land. The meek shall inherit the earth. We know that. Our God really is God. And we are to show our thankfulness to him and that we desire to dwell with those who believe in the same God. And Rahab requests deliverance. She casts herself on God's protection, as it were. And she says to the men, swear unto me by the Lord. She wants them to swear an oath, which is a calling upon God to bear witness to the truth and punish me if I swear falsely. She's just confessed what she believes about the judgment of God. And she says, I want you to swear an oath. Swear unto me by Jehovah, since I've showed you kindness, that you also show kindness unto my father's house. And give me a true token that you will save alive my father and my mother. She's concerned about her family. Her dad and mom. That you will save alive my father and my mother, my brethren and my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. That's what she requests. And they do swear the oath. Although they are concerned about keeping what they've sworn, when somebody swears an oath, recognizing the seriousness of swearing an oath, they say, when we come, if, any, if, if somebody's not in with this house with you, you know, their blood is on their own head, if they're not with you, but if they're with you, you know, then we will, we will be certain to spare them. And she says, so be it. And he also, they also say that you're not to utter this to anybody. And she was to leave out that scarlet cord or rope, whatever. And she was to leave that out too. And she was going to do it. And later she dwells in Israel. And Boaz, you recall in the book of Ruth, that Boaz marries Ruth, Boaz's mother was Rahab.
We read of that in Matthew 1, verse 5. And now, when we request deliverance, believing God's promise, we confess our own sins. We're undeserving. Did did this harlot deserve to be delivered? Do we deserve it? When we ask God, deliver us from evil, us, do we deserve it? And we say, no, we, we don't. We request it for Christ's sake. God has sent his son who laid down his life for us. When we think of the judgment that came upon the Canaanites, we're directed to think of the curse that lay upon us. And Christ took upon him the curse that lay upon us. He's reconciled us to God. And in our trials, we are to look to him for the blessings of deliverance for ourselves and for our family. And when we say us, deliver us from evil, we are praying for our family. And not simply those that are in a blood tie relationship with us, but those in whom we are united in Jesus Christ. We are family. Deliver us from evil. We express our faith in our God and that we desire to be apart from those of this world and we desire to dwell with those who believe in Jehovah, the covenant-keeping God. Those are the ones we want to be with. We want to be with those people. We want to commune with those people. We want to help and assist those people. The communion of the saints. And together we request the blessings of deliverance for us and for the people of God. As we see the mercy that God showed to Rahab, may we express our thankfulness to God for the mercy he's shown to us, who are filthy sinners, who are saved by grace, 
May we thank him for the gift of faith. And may we not fear men, but fear our God. And with reverence and godly fear, may we live to the honor of his name. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. We thank thee, O Lord, for thy grace. Lord, forgive our sins. Cleanse us of unrighteousness and deliver us from evil. Bless us and our children. Bless us as a congregation and as churches. Bless thy people in the different nations. Lord, grant us the strength we need to fight against sin and Satan. Walk apart from those of this world and to walk with thee, our covenant-keeping God. Grant this to us and our children for Christ's sake. Amen.